0: Matthew chapter 13, uh, I don't think I wrote this one down for you, Barry, but uh, it really doesn't have anything to do with the message that much, 1344, everything has got to do with the message. The, the Lord actually gave me this scripture right before I got married uh, to Deborah Ann, and uh, I realized, you know, to, uh, what had to happen, what, what, were, what was going on in me. In verse 44, the Lord Jesus said again, so he's already talked about this. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buy that field. This is the kingdom. The treasure in the field is the word of God, the life of God, the work of the Lord Jesus And so if it's really a treasure, we should go and sell all we have. Sell out a carnal and worldly life or mostly just the pursuit of everything that's not him. And for joy thereof, go and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. He goes on and talks about the pearl of great price and uh, on and on. The, the, The shepherd that went after the one sheep that was missing out of the hundred. Uh, I'm not trying to get serious with anybody, but I'm just saying, you have to know the score. You got to know what's going on. And we have found the treasure and we should buy the field, but it'll take everything to buy the field. The truth is, the reality is, is that if you give up everything in order to gain this, he replaces it and makes it even more. No one's having to do without, but we do have to go through a raising of the knife, as it were, Abraham over Isaac. We do have to raise the knife. And if you're not willing to raise the knife, you won't have this treasure. You'll have a part of it. You'll know about it. You'll know it was in a field, but you won't have it in your life. So the Lord gave me that scripture for us this morning, and I wanted to read it that. uh, When a man hath found, he hideth in for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Amen. All right, well, turn to Exodus chapter 17, if you would. Let's go way west to Exodus. I want to minister this morning again on the last man standing is doing the commanding, which kind of sounds like a strange title. Uh, We've all heard it. And when I looked it up this week, Almost all the references to it on Google were to the Tim Allen movie or show or whatever that was. I never watched one, but it was just why the show got canceled and who was this and who is that. Uh, But when we when we think about the last man standing, usually it's in a context of military that there's a war, there's a fight, there's a battle. And whoever whoever's standing at the end is winning. We saw that in the Civil War, World War I. You're trying to take a ground, take a place, take a, an area. And they, uh, in the case of the Civil War, they, they had all these muskets and they all just came together and whooped up on one another. And whoever had the best fighters or had the most men, that's who was standing. That's who won the battle. We also can see it in uh, boxing. Two men go in there and it's winner take all. Except in the case of a TKO, but usually in a knockout, there's no doubt the last man standing is commanding the reward, commanding the the, the honor of it. So there's something about you and me that are in that same war and same round or ring uh, with it that the last man, the last woman standing or actually... The last person with a spoken conviction is winning and not used to be. There's lots of people that have been backslidden. You know, backslide comes on everybody. If you understand backslide, it means any day that you're not doing as well as you did another day. If you have history of doing better than what you're doing right now, having and being an attitude, then you're backslid. Would that be right? It doesn't mean that you've got delirious drunk and, and can't control yourself. It just means you're not moving forward. And so we have to learn or have to embrace that my last word 10 years ago of standing might not be valid now. I might have spoken some things, believed some things, stood on some things that has led me into something that's not victorious. And we have to reaffirm, I got to get back to that place. Because it's not just because you won; it's what you're doing now. Winning, amen. So just because you have a testimony of healing, praise God. You have a testimony of paying off your house, or or getting out of a credit card, or whatever. We all have had testimonies of. It's just not working for you unless it's working now. It's got to work now. You can't. That is the biggest thing that the devil does. Is he takes us right after a victory and starts tempting us to celebrate. And we slide away in that uh, celebration. I know when, I, when I'm trying to lose weight, after I get on the scales and I've got it. Yes, let's go eat Mexican food. <laughs> yeah. let's, celebrate. let's celebrate, I'm telling you, it just, it just works. And then the next morning you get up and you go, ah, that was, that was bad. <laughs> So it's like, did you lose any weight? Well, sure, I've lost 30 pounds, but I gained back 20 of it or whatever, you know. Here in Exodus chapter 17, let's look at the last man standing. It says in verse 11, it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. The one on the one side, the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So there you go. Moses had to be standing or holding up the rod, as it were, for them to prevail. And he did prevail. Joshua prevailed because they stayed to the end of the fight. They stayed to the end of the fight. They stayed till the end of the fight. They stayed in till the end of the fight. So we don't want to hear your history about the first three quarters of your fight and then you got knocked out. We want to hear what happened at the end. We want to hear about uh, uh, that, that you finished the good fight of faith. In Mark chapter 11, we, we know this one, but let's, let's turn to Mark chapter 11. You got sticky pages. We're going to find a few of them. So get those worked out. Mark chapter 11, the Lord Jesus is speaking. A tremendous discourse on faith here. It's it's actually just three or four verses that talk about this great measure of faith that you and I are commanded to engage. But yet you go, this should be three or four books. This should be chapters. This should be. Longs, But he so concisely and succinctly put it together that we couldn't mess it up. The Lord has to shorten stuff to keep from messing up. Y'all know how much these false religions have messed it up anyway. No, no matter what verse they pick up, they can some find, somehow find a way to, uh, to turn, turn it around. Let's, let's look in verse 23. Let's read it together. Verse 23. Ready, read. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. That's the last man standing. You got to believe in your heart. That's that's how you don't you're not folding. You're not backing up. You're not double minded. You're not drawing back. You believe in your heart that those things which you say. And the things we say, what he's talking about here, the things we say that comes from believing. Second Corinthians 413 says, I believed and therefore have I spoken. So we're talking about believing the believing that speaks, not the head that parrots, but the believing that speaks. And he doesn't speak at first. You can put, I'm by his stripes I was healed, and you can put that in you all day long. But until believing speaks, nothing is happening. You are filling your heart like you're filling the tank. But if you're, if you're going to go to California, you, you better fill up the tank before you go. And if you're going to go down the road with a challenge, you better fill up your tank before you go. And not with just... Uh, uh, 82 octane, you better, you better put some stuff in there, amen? So uh, uh, the last man standing, the last thing you and I have said that we believed, that came from faith, came from believing, came from a conviction is what's working. If you never got there, if you just said, well, you know, I, I believe that God could heal me or I believe God will prosper me, you just know that it, it hadn't happened yet. Everything's in the past tense. If it's not in the past tense, it's not, it's not there. God's going to, or I'm waiting on the manifestation. It sounds good, sort of, but it's not. It's not faith. Your mountain is right there, and you, you can deny it, and you can excuse it away, but it moves when the faith inside of you, the believing inside of you, that does not doubt in his heart inside of you, when it speaks, when it says, what you believe will come to pass. You will have what you believe. This is non-negotiable, isn't it? Matthew eleven twenty three is non-negotiable. It's not like, well, yeah, I'm doing it a different way. No, you're not. Because this is the only way he gave to do it. I've shared this before, but it's real, real relevant. How Martin Luther King, a civil rights leader and just a tremendous man that God raised up how it's reported by his children that he sat down at the kitchen table one time and told them, these are hard times, children, and daddy's got to do it. But it's likely, likely that I will be assassinated. I don't think he used that word, but he said, it's likely that somebody bad's going to take me out for the cause. And it was all about the cause. It was all about the martyrdom. And this is even good, but he did say it and he believed it and he was taken out. There's a story about a, uh, a mama that had a, uh, let's see, yeah, you said uh, the doctor came and said, the diagnosis is bad, your baby will suffer for nine months and then die. And she immediately pushed back on the doctor and said, my baby will not suffer. And sure enough, the baby did not suffer, but he died on the ninth month. And you go, well, this is crazy. If God can heal suffering, can push suffering out of the way. Why couldn't he raise this baby up? And it was uh, not up to God. It was based on what she believed and said. You see how important that is? Um, Missionaries. Missionaries. I, I, I've watched the movie several times called The Point of the Spear. And it's about uh, uh, missionaries that went down to a South American jungle and went into a tribe that were nobody even knew was there. And they so believed God would protect them because they were doing a great work. They were doing a great work. And the least God could do for us that we're doing a great work, a noble work, a work that nobody else wanted, that everybody said they are dangerous, they are whatever. The least God could do, you think, is to protect the people that are doing the kingdom work. But they were killed. Many of them were killed. Now, there's a good ending to this story where the son came back and and did get them born again. But the truth is that they died doing a noble and wonderful work because they assumed or had their theology say, surely God will protect us doing a great thing. So it's not in works. It's not in sacrifice. It's not in pain. It's not in intention. It's what you believe and say. The last word standing is doing the commanding. And so We've we've fended off of many a storm around here in West Alabama and eastern Mississippi. But you just can't say, well, I go to church all the time and I'm a big giver and I teach children's church or whatever. God will protect me. And that under the Old Testament is how he did it. Um, that's what Malachi is talking about. That's what Psalm 91 is talking about. But we have to enforce it. These Mark eleven twenty-three 23 is non-negotiable. You have to say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in sea. How do you say it? Do not doubt in your heart. How do you say it? Believe that those things which you sayeth will come to pass. Then he said, you shall have, you shall have. You speak to the mountain and you shall have the mountain move. But you got to meet those conditions. And part of those are saying. So it's like. I don't know how a carburetor works. I don't know how an alternator works, but I do know where the key goes. So we're going to giddy up and we're going to just speak to the thing to go. And uh, I like this scripture in Luke. I'm right, right, Matthew, Mark, Luke. If you'll turn to Luke 8, if you want to. So the little mother was thinking that a miracle is a miracle, and so she was very disappointed that the Lord didn't keep her child. Boy, don't you know the Lord wanted to keep that child. Don't you know that was heaven's heart to preserve that? And those missionaries, they were doing the work of the Lord. They were reaching people that had never heard. God was for it. It wasn't like he was a rule keeper, but that's how creation worked. Now, when the Lord set up creation... He could have set it up any way. It was arbitrary. It was his choice. It was his, his call. Uh, he had all latitude to set up the kingdom like he wanted to. He could have just set, set it up to say, if people have good hearts and good intentions and they're following through, I'm going to protect them or I'm going to deliver them. But instead, he made even himself bound to the word about words create. And so light be he commanded and light was. And it didn't work different for us than it did for him. In Luke chapter, uh, I believe we're in chapter 8, verse 52. Hallelujah. If you think the Lord Jesus had to follow these things, do you think we're going to have to? Verse 52 said, all wept and bewailed her. Well, let's see. Yeah, we'll just keep there. And said, and all wept and bewailed her, but he, the Lord Jesus said... Listen to what he said. He said, weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. Well, he was in the, there was a contrary fact going on. She had no pulse. She wasn't breathing. She was gone. But he said, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. Did they know she was dead? They knew she was dead. And he put them all out and took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. That's a pretty good story. But he, she was dead. But he believed and did not dead in his heart that, but believed that those things which he saith shall come to pass. And he had whatsoever things he saith. Now the works that I do he said will you do and greater works shall you do because I go to the father. So this would be this would fall under our jurisdiction. This is in my my lane. This is in my command. It's it's in my jurisdiction. If he did this, I can do this. Otherwise he shouldn't have wrote it down. He should have left that one out and said we're going to talk about Jericho and talk about Goliath, and we're, that's all we're going to talk about. But here he put it in there about raising the dead and how he did it. The maid is not dead, but she sleepeth, and he commanded her. He said, "Maid, arise!" Isn't it amazing how little you have to say to have amazing results? Maid, arise! Well, we cast out the spirit of death and we come against infirmity and we, we tell, you know, and we're telling her lungs and her heart, you know, I'm not, I'm not belittling that, but I'm just saying there is another path. Made arise. Well, for her to arise, she had to live. It wasn't that he just wanted her to get up. She had to live. So he spoke the end during the middle. So these martyrs, these people that die for the Lord it's very confusing to us Christians why the Lord wouldn't protect them. Why uh, there was a little soul winner lady at uh, Southside Baptist Church in Seminole and she, her daughter was in our church, but she was a Baptist and she was a go-getter. And everywhere she went, she said, do you know my Jesus? And she was working in the town and she got lots of people saved. She was a great woman. But then she got cancer. And so they shipped her off in Texas. You go to MD Anderson and uh, they shipped her off. And sure enough, she got out of her bed uh, when she could and went up down the aisles, the the, the hall, excuse me, and uh, got people born again. And you know what the, the prevailing story was in Seminole was God put sickness on her so she could do a work in MD. And they all believed it because what else can they believe? She was a soul winner. I remember Debbie's grandmother, when she, uh, she had hip issues, had a hip issue. And she, they put her in the hospital and they said, uh, you've got, you've got cancer of the hip. And she went along with that. But then somebody came in. It wasn't me, but someone came in and prayed for her and spoke to that. And the pain didn't leave right away. And she fell out of her bed in her room, however that happens. And we lost her then. But they did an autopsy or whatever they do. And they they looked in her hip and said there was no cancer there. But she believed there was. She told everybody, I've got this and this is what's happening and this is where I am. She had the last word and she, she was working it for her body, but the Spirit of God had come in. But Granny Hixie was a soul winner, like this other woman. She was a soul winner, she was a machine. She had a wooden purse that I had made her when I worked at Paddle Tramps, and it had Jesus down the side of it in, in wooden letters. And uh, she had a sign that was eight feet, seven, seven and a half feet tall, J-E-S-U-S. And she was a, she was a turban tire. But she asked the Lord, Lord, I'm a, I'm a soul winner. Why are you allowing this to happen to me? And it was a great mystery to him and it really disappointed the family and it discouraged many of the family that said, if Hixie can't make it, there's no hope for us. Amen. So have you heard of people that said, I won't outlive my father and nailed it to the year? Uh, s- certainly. Um, but then you hear about other people that says, "I will be a doctor when I grow up," or "I will marry so and so." Little Anita Edmondson, she was in seventh grade, and uh, her mama Danita brought her to church. They they came to church. I don't remember how they came, but they did come. And uh, little Anita latched onto Eric Scott Billings, and she said to her mother going home, "I will marry that boy." She's in seventh grade. I don't know how old Eric is. Eric was exactly five years to the day older than her. And uh, then Eric started dating her cousin. There's lots of wailing and gnashing of teeth on little Anita's pillow. And he went through this girlfriend and that girlfriend and everything. But she never, the story is she never wavered. She said, I will marry him if I have to kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> and they've got three children together now. And so you you hear these stories and you go, well, that's a story. It always plays that way. However we understand the path, that's how it has to end up. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, please. The last word standing is doing the commanding. So it could be that we need to check up on our last words. We, we need to, uh, something's working behind the scenes that we're not even aware of because we didn't, we had a bad day that day and we just said, ah, this thing's killing me. You know, or things like that. And then we got encouraged but never did go back and speak to the situation differently. And the last word standing is this thing's killing me. You go, that is pretty picky. And it is pretty picky, but it keeps the kingdom of God separated from the kingdom of darkness. And it makes it where it works for both, because there's lots of unsaved people that are prospering and doing well because they say what they're going to have. They work the principle and it works in their life. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, the Lord Jesus, he said, uh, yeah, we'll just go there. Either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt for the tree is known by his fruit. Well, there's lots of lessons right there. We can know about people. Not by what they say they do or have, but what they bear in their life. Oh, generation of vipers. I believe he got to the point, didn't he? Uh, generation of vipers. That's How can ye being evil... The word there is also translated unbelieving. How can ye being evil speak good things? He goes back to the root and the fruit. He said it cannot be. If the root, is that what he said? Uh, Make the tree good and the fruit good or make the tree corrupt and the fruit corrupt for the tree is known by its fruit. So he talks to these evil people that have evil fruit. And he said, how could you, how can you speak good things? You are bearing corrupt fruit, therefore you are corrupt, therefore you cannot speak good things. So that means there's a motive in that. That means there's a, uh, something else going on. And then he explains it. He said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Let's say that together. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Now, let's first person. Out of the abundance of my heart, I speaketh. Again, out of the abundance of my heart, I speak. So it's talking about the heart, not the head. You can say anything. You can say anything out of your head. I can read Hebrew and Greek and, and uh, some other stuff, but I have no idea what it's saying. But I could read it out of my head. And I'd be saying Russian words or French words or whatever. But it wouldn't mean a thing to me. The tree is good when the fruit is good. And the fruit is good when we speak out of the abundance of our heart according to what's in our heart. If it's good, we'll speak good and we'll have good. So the process is not so much the speaking. That's how it is eclipsed that you turn the key over in the car and you put it in D. And there's an expectation. Automatically, there's an expectation that you're going to feel something as you go forward. You put it in D, the key's in, the engine's running, you put it in D, and you expect, we all expect, to have a little motion of going forward. I mean, we wouldn't even notice it. I'm telling you something, you go, I never thought of that. But yeah, we all expect it. It's so expected. It so has to be that if you put it in D with the engine running, you're going to feel a surge go forward. Well, that's the way it is about the fruit and in the, in the, in the mouth. Uh, So the fruit is exactly the same as what's on the inside. You can't fake it. You can fake it for a while. You can fake it to some that don't know, that aren't looking, that don't know this. But the truth is, the process of speaking to the fruit, speaking the, the creation, doesn't begin there. It begins in whatever you're putting into your heart. So if you put a little in your heart, there's not going to be an abundance. I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Well, th- that didn't fill up anything. So, but if you say, himself bear my own sins in his body on the tree that I, having died to sin, should live under righteousness, by whose stripes I was healed. Now, if you put that in a timer 17... Something's going to start filling up. Then when you start speaking to symptoms and say, I heard that it's a pain, it's a something that's not right. And you say, "I, I felt that I heard that and I forbid that that doesn't line up with by his stripes. I was healed. So we address it. We 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 don't let it grow. We don't let it get a hold of us. And suddenly there's an abundance in our heart. And out of that abundance, often in a crisis, often in a in a a moment of pressure, we will speak what's in our heart. You know, if you get an IRS letter that says urgent, open soon and we're after you. On the front of the letter, there's an emotion that naturally rises up when the IRS says we're coming after you. Guard the back door because we're coming in. (laughs) So whatever comes out at that moment of the letter or the news or the whatever, the doctor's diagnosis or, or the, the financial failure, whatever comes out at that moment is what's in abundance. Because out of the abundance of the heart, we can't help but say. We cannot help, it is the gauge. How much pressure's on this line? Look at the gauge. How much faith's in this heart? Look at the gauge. Listen to the words. It'll always tell you what's inside. Well, I got a lot of faith. Yeah, we've been listening to your lot of faith, and, you, you're, go, you, and you're going under. They, they tell the story about a woman that was in uh, way back in ORU Towers, and they tried to come in and minister to her. She had whatever she had. It was, it was terminal. And they, they'd come in, and they'd try to minister to her, and she'd say, oh, and she knew scriptures better than them. Oh, the Word says this, and the Word says that, and I've got this, and I've got that. But her condition never changed. And uh, after she passed away, they talked to the sitter that was in there with her. And they say, this is such an anomaly. This is so, how can this be? And the little sitter said, well, after y'all all all left, she went into a big thing about this thing's not working. It's not going to happen. I'm, you know, and, and everything. So you can fake it, but you can't make it. You you can fake it till you make it or you can just fake it till you you get taken out. So these are some stories that just validate what the words already saying that if whatever you put in your heart, fear, bitterness, doubt and unbelief. Everybody's got a story about somebody doing them wrong. I said, everybody's got a story and usually they've got a story about a, a preacher or a trustee or an elder or a deacon or whatever doing them wrong. And you'll say, why aren't you in church? Why aren't you serving God? Well, so-and-so did me wrong. So there's lots of things that the devil tries to do to keep us off track and that we're disappointed in people. Well, that just means you don't know people. You can't be disappointed in the human race. If you know the human race, if you know yourself, you know, I'm disappointed in me sometimes. So I'm sure I've disappointed some other people. But if they go with the track that says, I'm disappointed, Michael, therefore, I'm disappointed in Jesus. You got off the road somewhere. You're in the ditch. Well, the same thing about confession. This little lady that was telling everybody, I know all this and I don't need your help. She did need their help, but she paid the price. It couldn't be different. I said it couldn't be different. It's so predictable. You could write it down in a letter and mail it to them. 30 days before she died and you could say you're you're on your way out. Same thing. So this word abundance out of the abundance of the heart, of course, that means the overflow. So it's not just that, you know, some scriptures in your head. We could all quote First Peter 224. We can all quote Second Corinthians eight, nine uh, for, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. We all know that, but I was at a men's meeting one time. It was my own men's meeting. It was a lot of years ago, and foolishly, I realize now, it was not wisdom, but I was, I was totally optimistic about it. I said, let's go around the room and every man give a prosperity scripture. Just quote one. Just quote anyone. You can quote them again. Colin did. Eric did. And one other man did. You weren't there, Jonathan. <laughs> were you? You were. OK. And Jonathan did. <laughs> I don't remember. But, but you did, didn't you? I did. Third, John two. Third John two. OK, there we go. I got to get my story straight. <laughs> He's the only one that can fix it. But nobody knew it. So how many prosperous men did I have in the room? If they didn't know one prosperity scripture, that meant there was nobody with an abundance. Now, I I mean, those that didn't know there was none that had overflow. No one that was fighting for it. No one was that was contending against symptoms of lack and shortage and need and deprivation. Nobody was there. They were just like, it's just how it goes. It is what it is. Well, it is. I hate that word. It is what it is. It is what it is till I say what it is. It is what it is till I intervene. The storm is coming. The tornado is over there until I intervene. And then it isn't what it is. It's what I say it is. So you got something going on in your family and your body and your money. It is what it is. You can follow the track. You can, the doctors can predict it. They can say this is what happens at this many days. They can say you're this far away from bankruptcy. They can all predict it because it's the same for everybody. Unless you intervene. Unless you tell the storm. Unless you tell your money. Unless you tell your family. You will be born again. You're talking about them. So the treasure in my heart is steering my life that and seed time and harvest, and this is a form of that seed time and harvest, but those are the two things that are steering your life more than anything. You want to save money? You don't want to give? You don't want to be generous because you're saving up and trying to get out and trying to do better? That's a plan, but we can predict it. We can get to the end of it because we know how that always turns out because it's been going on for, would you say, thousands of years? So if you want something different, you got to do something different. you got to do something bold. Well, I'll just start saying I'm blessed. Well, that's good. That, that'd be a start. But you got to fill up this. This is the secret weapon that we have. Fill this up. Fill your, your, your heart up with the word. Then when something that's not the word comes by, you'll know it. You know, that's what they say about counterfeit money. They never let them touch counterfeit. They just say feel this all day long and they give them real bills then one day when they get one that's not they recognize it because it's different Job twenty-two twenty-eight 28 says thou shalt also decree a thing the word there means to separate decree to separate hey you separate 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 you from your head and your heart separate faith and worldly hope the word says in Romans 4 that uh, Abraham, who against hope, hoped. Against natural hope, hoped supernaturally. So you've got to change something. It's not case surah what will be, will be. I mean, it is until you intervene and change that. So my words, my words, my words, not your words about me, not someone's opinion about me, but my words divide me and my future. I have my future is so predictable. It is so predictable. I can tell you what's going to happen next year in my life. You go No, nobody knows it's up to God and God, you know, he he's in control. I'm in control. He made the rules. I didn't make the rules. He could have said I'm going to be in control and we would have had a world where he was in control. In the Old Testament, he was in control. So we already know what that looks like. And he fought the battles for him, And he, he uh, let the, when they did bad things and built golden calves and stuff, he, he let an army come in and take them out. And God was in control. He was steering a four-year-old, as it were. He was steering a four-year-old best he could in order to get the Messiah in. But now we are mature. The word says we're mature. We are, we're not mere men. Amen. I like this in Romans 12 too, It says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. So that's what we're doing this morning. This is not, but you, you can't do it on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. It's not enough. Say, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. You, you can't have an abundance because there's a leaking process that goes on from doubt and unbelief from uh, symptoms have voices, pain has a voice, a diagnosis has a voice, you look in your purse, your billfold, and it has a voice. Your brain has a voice. It says, we need $100 this week, and there's 42 in there. That voice will speak to you. It'll say, we're missing 58. And so it leaks out. It, there's, a, there's a guarding or a, a, a pumping out, as it were, to just maintain, to have an overhead. So if you want to get out there further, you've got to put more in than Sunday morning and Wednesday night. You're going to have to listen to some things. You're going to have to have a library of some kind. Men should have all, all of us. But I'm saying, men, you need a library. If you don't have a library, then you're not serious. You're thinking wrongfully that you can get it from here and you can't. Oh, I'm different. I can do it. I absorb and I can remember and stuff. I say you can't get it. Faith is activated, arises by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And there's not enough in two hours a week to keep off the devil in 168 hours. So, uh, we got to eviscerate some words that are causing our tank to leak. We got, I can't. You know what I can't means? It means I cannot. I can, which is the the working verb that signifies your whole ability, your whole influence, your whole power uh, is in the word can or will. But when you put not on it, it completely takes it away and says you it's not happening. So if we say I can't afford. it's the last word standing. It's commanding your future. And good deals, opportunities, doors that are opening, windows that are opening, they just all flow around in a way because it can't stick to the man that says, I can't afford. Why would it be attracted to that person? I can't afford. Why why would it need to fund? What would it need to fund? Well, I'm giving $1,000 to missionaries, somebody might say, a month. And you go, that stuff's got to stick here. And it'll find you. It'll find you. It'll pursue you, take you down, and find you. But the man that says, I, I can't afford to give to missions or whatever, can't afford to give offerings, can't afford to give to the whatever. I, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying we've all been there. You could admit it. We've all been there where we looked at it and said, this isn't a good week to do that. When in fact. What you believe in your heart and what you do not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say shall come to pass. You could say, I can't afford and that word can then bears everything that's in you, inside, outside, and spiritually, it brings it to bear against the cannot. We You go, how, how can that be? Because we're spiritual beings. We're made just like God. And so when, it's, when, when I say I can, I'm aligning myself with heaven that says all things are possible to him who believes. When I align myself with cannot that says you never know what God's going to do or you never know how this is going to turn out. So we're aligning with the last word that we've uttered with conviction in our life. We're aligning with that. And it cannot go different. If you leave Tuscaloosa and go down South 69, you cannot not go through Moundville. It's it's destiny. It's fate. It's 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 the gods, (laughs) whatever people say. That's what's at the end of 69, 13 miles from here. And if we go down a road that is like that, where we, have a, we don't have faith in ourselves, therefore we're not speaking. Therefore, what we are speaking is fearful. If we don't have faith to overcome, we have faith that we didn't overcome. That God's in control and he'll work things out. He's already worked things out. I said he's already worked things out. There's nothing left for heaven to do. God is not intervening. I, this this song we sang this morning let, let me I wrote it down what I write down. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Well, that's true, but if you took it literally, you would think that God is taking input from the world and cate-go- cate-go- he's putting it in different systems and working out a solution. But the truth when it says, even when I don't see it, you're working, is the word. Yes. And he's not working if there's no word working. You could be a missionary in South America and die singing, even when I don't see it, you're working. If you don't have the word working, you don't have God working. Now, he cares for you, and he wants you to, and he's, he is sending everything in to get you to change uh, he's putting people in your life. He's putting books in your life. Sometimes he'll have you buy a book or a tape set. Jonathan and I talked about this the other day. And you get home with it and it's like, this is not it. This is boring. This is not it. And so you put it on the shelf. Did y'all hear what it said? You put it on the shelf. And then one day you go, hmm, huh, I wonder what's in that book. Or, you, or you're just feeding through your books and you find it and you open it up and... It is the the answer for the moment. This has happened to me so many times. Matter of fact, I get mad at people that I loan books to and don't bring them back because then I go to looking for them and it's like, who's got this? But I found one yesterday that wasn't mine and my stuff. And I I put it over there and, and called her and said, so sorry. How powerful is I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me? And then you just back up and concentrate. I can do all. And you meditate that. Well, what, what's not in that? What, you go, well, n- not all financially. Oh, all. Well, how about... And you just go down the list of all the things that aren't in that and you come up with zero. I can do all things. You go, well, it's through Christ and he might not. What do you mean might not show up? Greater is he that is in me. As he is, so am I in this world. So we don't even, the the scripture says it, but we don't even have to say, I can do all things through Christ. That's a given. Once you believe, it's a given and you don't have to put that tag on, although it's absolutely the truth, but you just can say, I can do all things in the sense of, What's out there that I need to take hold of? I can do everything. I'm a problem solver. I have been sent and assigned to solve problems. And I solve problems that people don't want solved. I solve problems uh, that they don't even know are problems. I'm solving them all the time. I'm a little obnoxious actually. I know it, but we all are problem solvers. Well, I gotta quit here. Well, no, I'm not gonna quit. Uh, verse 37 says, for, for by thy words, he said, uh, uh, verse 36, I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. That's, we want to just skip that one. Do y'all have some white out and we'll just wipe that one out because, well, then we have to confess our sins. We have to go back and dig that seed up because it's the last word speaking. So we got to get up almost all the time and say, today, I can do all things. Today, I prosper. Today, my body is doing this. And you establish the last word, no matter what idle word proceeded to your mouth. Then in verse 37, he says, for by thy words, thou shalt be justified. You mean by my character, my conduct, my intentions, my motives, my willingness to be a Martha that just does and goes and does? No, he said by your words, not just your words, but the words that come from your heart. Words that are in there in abundance. So another place it says, uh, if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. It says, let your nay be nay, your yay be Yay. In other words, Zippo the Lippo is what we say. Hallelujah. Get, get that thing out of it. So should we show, it says, by your words you shall be condemned. So I have quit saying I can't remember. I say I don't remember. I don't remember about this particular item. I, I don't recall that. But I never say I can't remember. It's fatal. Uh, I don't know. It's got to go. I don't know. Now you could you could phrase it in a way that you say, "I don't have that information with me right now." But you never say, "I don't know." You never want to paint your life with "I don't know," because we have the mind of Christ. Uh, this is hard for me. I hear that all the time. Have you ever heard that someone say, "It's hard. It's hard. Everything's hard." That beats me. I had to get rid of that a few years ago. That beats me. Every once in a while, I catch myself saying, well, doesn't that beat all? Doesn't that beat me? And I, boy, it just it's, it's, it's like a siren that goes off in me. I, I've trained that. I'm not sure. I don't understand. Here's one. I'm confused. Anybody in here confused? We deny it. We deny it. So we don't ever say I'm confused what you're saying. I'm confused. I feel bad that they didn't get to come. I feel bad. I feel bad. I feel bad. you reckon that's attached to anything about feeling bad? I would rather go under if it, I would go under if it weren't for them. How many times have we been tempted to be so grateful to somebody we'd say, well, without them I couldn't make it. Lots of widows and widowers say that. I, I, don't, I just can't live without them. And if you look at the old bits, they were true. It takes a real big attitude to not extrapolate to the future based on what's happening today. Your mind will give you a great boost and say, yeah, without her, without him, your life is because she did so much. He did so much. And that other, therefore, and God's not moving. God's not helping. God's not interested. Oh, my. Maybe he is. Uh, we can't afford the nice things of life, said the man that didn't have any nice things. And the last one, uh, I figured it would happen that way. Now we've got to quit being cynical. Cynicism is when, uh, when somebody does something and we say that's about right for them. Or we say that's par for the course for me. In other words, I deserved it. Are y'all out there? Are y'all thinking or sleeping? Just my luck. You've got to get rid of that four-letter word. Everything's seed time and harvest. And uh, let me just read you this one scripture. I've got to quit. Leviticus 19, 19 says, Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed. If words are seed, we've got to cut out the mingled the weeds the tares is what Jesus said so my future's not in my brother's mouth my sister's mouth my future's not in their mouth my future's in my mouth so to change my mouth i got to change my heart to change my heart all i have to do is start drinking and eating at the table of the word and this is why the, words, the word talks about don't have fellowship with the ungodly. It's not because God doesn't want to save them. It's because evil overcomes good. I know y'all think it's the other way. A bad apple in a barrel will corrupt the whole barrel. And you put one good apple in a corrupt barrel, I promise you, it's not going to uncorrupt the other apples. And so we have to, we have to stay with like precious faith. And you go, well, why is that? Because the power of the word to change us and to affect the way we think is exactly the opposite of that. When we have evil words, words of lack, of, of the curse, of, of uh, can't do it. When we're around that all the time, that affects us. It's the, we want it one way and not the other, but it's absolutely the same, isn't it? So we have to change who we hang around with. Go in there strong and, and win them all to Jesus. Take them all to lunch but we're not having casual fellowship with the lost. And when we do, this is what I do. I, I will quit with this. I'm never with anybody that I'm not ministering. I'm either ministering to or I'm getting ministry from. But there's always a transaction whenever I'm with anybody. What else is anybody for? That's what we're for, is to transact. Transact. So even when we're having fun, we're eating ice cream, which is lots of fun in my house. We're transacting. Amen. Well, thank you, Lord Jesus. There's such an easy path to what we're all wanting. It's just like lying down on the road. It's just so easy. You go, that can't be it. It's got to be this or that or more than that. And it's like it's so easy, we could miss it. And you know what? The casual Christian does miss it because they want to do works and go down to South America and uh, go into MD Anderson and all that. They want to do that because it's hard. They don't want to do what's easy. I'm taking the easy road, y'all. Amen. Lord, I thank you for your word to us, changing us. And we're going to be more useful for the master's use, more profitable, more fruitful, because we're not just hearers of the word, but we're Doers of the word we hear. And so I change today. Let's say it. I change today. I'm on a new direction. I'm not going the old way. I am upgrading my life to do the word, which is the best possible life I can have. And Lord, we thank you for clarifying our situation every day. Everything we're saying wrong and doing wrong, you are gentle. You chasten us. You, you encourage us. But, Lord, we we know you're coming to help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.